HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome, everybody, to Life's a Banquet. I'm singing the intro today. It's your favorite podcast with your host, Tom the Turkey, and... Nicole the Turkey. Ooh, Tom and Nicole. Kidman, Turkey, Chris? Oh, yeah. My favorite celebrity couple <laughs> of all time. Tom and Nicole, Kidman, Turkey, Cruz. How's it going? Good. And you broke the sacred law of never seeing on a podcast. I know. Well, I had done my most perfect intro ever, and then we realized we didn't clap to start the show. So out of spite, I sang. Take that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody, for your ears, for your Oricat days. <laughs> Nicole, you uh, were here in uh, sunny New York City for Thanksgiving, weren't you? Although I didn't get to see you because you just jet-setted right in and out. Yes, I lived the life of a jet-setter. I flew in on Wednesday night. And flew out on Friday morning. Well, that visit was too quick for me to get to see you because I was in beautiful, tropical Long Island, New York with my family. So we did not get to see one. Steamy, sweaty, (laughs) tropical Long Island, the beaches, the cabanas, the palm trees. Uh, Did you have a nice time? What was your favorite thing that you ate? We had a great time. Um, The highlights were classic French onion dip and chips to start. Mm. By Mike Sollett, listener, friend of the pod, Mike Sollett. Sounds good. <clears throat> um, and I always, the stuffing was really good and the mashed potatoes were good. I didn't even actually eat any turkey. I had sorry. a feeling you didn't. You don't like turkey, do you? Too dry? It's fine. I just, like, don't care about it on Thanksgiving. You know, I like all the sides. I hear you. What about chicken? Like, if there was a chicken on Thanksgiving, would you have felt differently and had some chicken? I mean, I probably would not have eaten the chicken either. I like chicken. I like turkey. But I just don't care about eating a burrito. <laughs> Isn't that like a fucking dog food commercial? I like chicken. I like turkey. Wait. I like chicken. I like liver. Something, something. Please deliver. I know, but I have to sing this because that's how it goes. It's like a fancy feast song, I think. Fancy yeah, feast food. or, yeah, that's some kind of pet treat. Um, we also had onion dip, although it was ranch dip. My mom 
was already like shocked that I suggested chips and dip. She's like, what? I was like, chips and dip, you've heard of it and you love it. And so <laughs> I, she was like, okay, we'll have onion dip. I was like, actually, I'm going to buy a Hidden Valley Ranch powder and we're going to make ranch dip because I'm in love with that. And I don't like the powder as much as I like the actual dressing in a jar or whatever. Like the, I love the, the powder. I use it in multiple ways. I use it on my face at night before I go to sleep. <laughs> I put it in my bath. Um, but I also <laughs> love mixing it into tangy sour cream for a delicious dip. And my mom was like, so like uh, going for onion dip was like one step for her. And then admitting to powdered ranch dip that she was going to obviously like and eat was like another. So she just kept calling it onion dip. She so couldn't wait, admit it. She couldn't say ranch dip. She was like, no, I don't think so. Not in it my was a day of denial. Exactly. Denial more than just a ranch dip at Bobby's house. Um, that's hilarious. It's okay. It's it's kind of funny. It's just a funny, like, weird family anecdote. Yeah, Um, I know, I know. I don't, I guess I need to revisit that ranch powder. I just feel like I had some at my parents' house when I was living there. And it was just, I don't know. I didn't, I felt like it was too intense flavored or something. I just, I don't know. I need more sugar in it or something. Well, you're not supposed (laughs) to snort it. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's probably why you fucked up. You did a line of it, didn't you? I did a line. I did several lines of ranch powder. (laughs) That's funny. You know, like when you get like fake weed or something as a kid, like you'll get like oregano, you'll ripped off and smoke it. And you're like, this is, I'm not, I don't know if I'm feeling anything. I'm just thinking about that with like fake cocaine, but instead it's ranch powder. But it's got herbs in it. (laughs) Yeah, it's got herbs and spices, little herbs and spices. So another funny, a couple of other funny food things happened um, on Thanksgiving. First of which was that I was looking through old photos um, and came across a photo that I've shared with you and the internet, which is a horrifying photograph of my late father, John, dressed as a tomato. Yes, it's very scary. Uh, It's very scary. He was working as the manager of a country club at the time. And, um, you know, think rich, waspy, uh, uptight people, very Caddyshack kind of vibe. And then my dad, who is not that at all, as like, you know, the little worker bee or whatever, the general manager of a country club, kind of a really crappy job. But um, anyway, so he decided he would dress as a tomato to be part of the buffet for one of his inaugural events as manager, which I'm sure was very strange to all of the members so like i'll share the picture on our instagram feed but um it's terrifying he made this he painted his face red which is scary to begin with it is you know what painting your face completely red is very scary and then i was talking to my mom about it and i was like mom i thought dad did the tomato thing when you guys were caterers and she goes oh no i was never with your father when he was a tomato i would have never been married to a tomato (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if she was kidding or serious, but either way, it's very funny. And I respect that. (laughs) I respect that she would never be married to a tomato. I love tomatoes, but I wouldn't marry a tomato either. I don't even love tomatoes, so it's not even an issue for me. Yeah. And then another funny food thing that happened was, I didn't tell you this yet. I wanted to save it for the the program. Um, We were having a part, like a little dinner party at my friend's, at my parents' friend's house the night after Thanksgiving. And they were, we were all going around this uh, table sharing like weird food combinations and things we used to eat. And my mom's friend, Heather, uh, was like, you know, we were really poor growing up and we ate a kind of a lot of, you know, strange things. And she's like, one thing we would always have is called mishmash. 
and it was mashed potatoes with tuna salad. And now keep in mind, I do not like to food kink shame anyone, but this is really strange. But if you like this or you eat this, that's fine. Mashed potatoes, tuna fish salad in the mashed potatoes, covered in sour cream, all topped with sliced bananas. Bananas? Bananas! <clears throat> Not in pajamas, right on top of all that other shit. Can you that's believe great. that? Well, that's also very much like the, you know, that 70s dinner party Instagram that has some fucking buck wild shit that people were eating in the 70s. Tuna fish and bananas and mashed potatoes and sour cream? I'm, look... Again, if this is your vibe, I'll, you know, whatever, go with it. Do you. Go with God. But for me, I'm not sure about the tuna fish and bananas. I have a, <laughs> I have some trepidation when thinking about uh, eating that. How about I you? Would you try question. a bite? Well, I would try a bite, but I just feel like, is it supposed to be a plantain? Like, why the fuck are bananas even there? That's what Everything I'm else sounds fine. Without the bananas, sounds great. I would eat that. Exactly. Everything else does sound fine without the bananas. Like tuna fish and mashed potatoes, sure. And like mashed potatoes and sour cream, even if the three were together. I yeah, get a little three. upset at the three. banana part. It's just too that's, much. Um, like this recipe that my mom made called tuna puffs, which was tuna and dehydrated, you know, mashed potatoes in a box. Yes. That and then mix good. it all together, like bind it with an egg and then bake it into these like little croquettes, basically. Um, and those were delicious. To me, that sounds absolutely ab fab. But, yeah, really good. You know, banana, no thank you. I remember, like, at Brucey, we would uh, make all different kinds of butter for our fresh bread, and one week we had, like... We banana making, butter? No, we were, well, yes, uh, accidentally. We were making miso <laughs> butter, and one of the prep cooks who was making it, I was like, this fucking tastes like banana, kind of. And I, like, went downstairs, I was like, hey, like, um... I know this is a weird question, but this miso butter has like a banana flavor to it. Like, did you check the miso? Is it like off or something? And he was like, oh no, I, I put a banana in it. <laughs> and I was like, just on me, without even consulting me or like at the very least letting me know so I could tell the servers there's a banana in there in case anyone is deathly allergic to bananas. But nobody died, at least that I know of. If you're dead yes. out there and loving it from banana for poisoning at Bruce, please let me know. Um, why did he do that? I have no idea. It was a style choice, I guess. Well, also, also I was just was wondering, because in the 70s and 60s, bananas were different than the ones we have now. Like, the ones they were eating back then were, are now, like, extinct. So maybe they were more savory. Well, this was <clears> at the <throat> restaurant, which uh, was not in the 60s and 70s. No, no, I'm oh. talking about the actual dish. Oh, oh, yeah. I don't know why the fuck Try they to did follow that. up. I'm, I am trying desperately, but I can't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'll have to do some further investigation. But I was initially very shocked and thought I would share it with you and every, every uh, the one other person listening to the show, Mike Sala. Onion dip fanatic, Mike Sala. <laughs> <laughs> don't dox him, everyone. We keep using his last name. Um, <laughs> so what else? Any B&J news? Any BJ news? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just really desperate for information now because nothing scandalous has happened. But apparently, Ben Affleck described the story of him and Jennifer getting back together as beautiful, but he declined to actually share the story itself. We'll just have to imagine it. Picture it. There I am with my giant, colorful back tattoo. Oh, she, yes. She brings me to a laser surgery removal center, and then I get my life back on track. We don't even know that he still has the tattoo. 
Well, she did. Remember in that interview, she talked shit about it. So I'm assuming she he has to get it removed. It's part of a stipulation of their relationship. He's got to get a new back. Oh, my God. I have something else I need to tell you. Last night at work, Ryan and I were, like, joking around. He said on his Thanksgiving, uh, he met a gentleman who was a Jewish man from Transylvania. Really? Yes. And then we started <clears throat> doing this whole bit about a Jewish vampire. And it was really funny. It killed <laughs> Dracula, cavelling and loving it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dracula, how about my freaking neck and vacuum? Oh, my God. It's so funny, but, like, to be from Transylvania, how interesting, huh? Well, people are from there. Um, I know, it's fabulous. I don't we even know go. if it's fabulous. Oh, yeah, let's go on a trip there um, <laughs> for the podcast. Live from Transylvania, it's Life's a Banquet, the Haunted Dracula podcast. Um, what, was, what kind of Thanksgiving are you meeting people for the first time at? He was at Little Neck. They were doing um, like a, you know, friends and family. The restaurant was closed, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's One cute. of the owner's Actually, fathers is from Transylvania. <clears throat> that's a good segue into my topic, though. Great. Let's hear it. Wait, my what is topic- the topic today, though? Well, so what we're doing in our classic tradition um, is talking about Thanksgiving the week after it is over, because I think people miss it, you know, and they want to think about it still. I agree. I think people miss it. And I also think it's just like when, when everything is happening, that's so topical the week of, I don't know, like we're, it's, it's cool to show up like, you know, seven hours late to the party, like you like to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like seven days. So like, and also I feel like Christmas really needs to chill out. We don't need to give it the entire month of December, do we? No, no, no. Absolutely not. That's why this is Thanksgiving redux. Thanksgiving. Yeah, so we're doing dead and Thanksgiving <laughs> in the first week of December. Um, we're really groundbreaking stuff here, I think. Um, Turkey, but- potatoes. I decided to do Friendsgiving because I found this article in the Atlantic that must have been a slow news day because it's like <laughs> um, a whole article about what friend, what Friendsgiving is. Wow. The title is How Friendsgiving Took Over Millennial Culture. Um, this is the real threat to society. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Friendsgiving. Um, and it was written in 2018. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But before I get into this article, which I will just read to you verbatim, um, I looked, I just Googled Friendsgiving, of course, as Mm -hmm. I do. Sure. And an article came up about how this TikTok video went viral. This woman was hosting Friendsgiving at her house. Um, she had 12 friends were coming over. She had three tables full of food. So I guess she wasn't really doing the potluck version, which is a mistake. Um, and then none of her friends showed up. <gasps> oh, my God. That is very sad. That reminds me of a movie, like a Katherine Heigl movie or some kind of, maybe a Sarah Jessica Parker movie, maybe Sandra Bullock or something. <laughs> yeah. Am I correct? Do you I know what I'm thinking I, of? No, I don't. <clears throat> okay. Bridget Jones, um, maybe? I don't know. No. no. Um, Steven Seagal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is great. Um, but then I'm like, is it possible that you're, so they were on a group chat 
allegedly. And then the day of everyone just stopped responding and didn't show up. Like, <gasps> is it possible that all 12 of them didn't show up? I don't think this is a true story. You know what I'm thinking of? I just nailed it. It was Sarah Jessica Parker. It reminds me of the episode of Sex in the City when it's Carrie's birthday and she's sitting at Il Cantonore by herself and nobody comes. Yes. It's not exactly Ugh. the same thing though. But I um, know, but thank God I remembered because my stupid brain. Yes. Um yeah, so so I posted it on TikTok, but I don't think it's true. Because then the boyfriend who posted the story was like, I just called up all of my friends and they came over because I have real friends and my girlfriend has shitty friends. Wow, um, the whole story is sad. Every part of it, really. I just don't think it's true. I think Who would lie falsehood. about something like that? Are they doing it to get famous? I mean, yeah. it works. We're talking about it. I know. It went viral. They made millions and millions of dollars. Wow. <laughs> That's all it takes, huh? Yeah, you just get a million dollars from TikTok if you go viral. Um, so anyway, moving on. The Atlantic has this hard-hitting article about another fucking millennial article, which is just, man, they love to beat the dead horse. Um, so basically, they start off by talking about how every year for the last five years or so, and remember this is 2018 we're talking about, so a different time. Um the Emily Post Institute gets questions about Friendsgiving etiquette. So <clears throat> this article would have us believe that there are millennials out there who know that you're supposed to call the Emily Post Institute for etiquette questions. That's not what? true. What? Who the hell is this Emily Post anyway? <laughs> call into the show, Emily. There's no way that 25-year-olds are calling the Emily Post Institute to ask about Friendsgiving etiquette. Um, excuse me, is this the Institute? What am I supposed to do if somebody spills red wine all over my plate of food? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Lizzie Post is the co-president of this Institute, which apparently, I don't know, needs two presidents. Um, (laughs) Oh my God, rich people. uh, Charmingly, though, she is the great-great-granddaughter of Emily Post. Who the fuck is Emily Post? Emily Post, she was like the woman, she wrote like etiquette articles. Oh, like okay. Manners. I don't, I didn't know. I have no manners. I blow my nose in the tablecloth. You didn't know who Emily Post was? It's no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. <clears throat> sorry, everyone. Emily Post. Sorry, Emily she's Post. kind of a big deal. She's dead as hell now. But. She's dead and loving it. <laughs> Politely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they apparently get questions, um, they get, go on to define Friendsgiving as a Thanksgiving-themed meal for friends. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> a Thanksgiving theme. It's all just um, fake. Which is like, it's not, why can't it just be Thanksgiving? Like, it's so stupid. It's um, really very dumb. And so here are some of the etiquette questions that they get. When is Friendsgiving supposed to take place? And Lizzie, <laughs> Lizzie Post says the weekend before Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Which, that seems fine to me, whatever. I went to a, a, technically a Friendsgiving on the day of Thanksgiving in on New the York. Day of, yes, that's true. You did go to a Friendsgiving on the day of Thanksgiving. I've never uh, been to a Friendsgiving, which makes me question if I even have any friends. Yeah, I don't think you do. Uh, so here's another question that allegedly the 25-year-olds are calling up, ringing the telephone off the hook. Um is it an imposition to ask everyone to make and eat Thanksgiving a week before they do it all over again with their real family members? And the Post Institute says, it's fine, but you should deviate from the norm so you don't steal Thanksgiving's thunder. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> wow. So what kind of things are we supposed to eat? Super I don't know, like, probably like burritos, I guess. Just boxes of cereal, cold, crunchy cereal? <laughs> boxes of cereal, no milk. <laughs> Everybody, gather around. We all have our own cup please of overnight oats. Own, <laughs> please bring your own overnight oats. <laughs> <laughs> I just actually saw a video recently for somebody making overnight oats. And again, not to food shame people. If you like that, that's fine. But for me, overnight oats are, that's a no for me, dog. I like them in the summer. Um, I definitely don't want to eat cold mush in the winter. Too gloopy. Yeah. Yeah, it is gloopy. It's, it's like a, glue. You know, it's like eating really glue. Toes the line, as Toto would say. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Another fucking Toto reference from you. This is like the fifth time this week. I'm obsessed. Um, okay. And then the millennials want to know what's the most polite way to organize your Friendsgiving. And Lizzie Post, co-president, says potluck baby via google spreadsheet <clears throat> then she goes on to say that google spreadsheets are amazing and they're really also really excellent for lending out camping equipment what the hell who is this person so okay <laughs> this has, is her whole job is just like stating the obvious uh, and also if somebody president if somebody fucking, first of all, I haven't really been on a camping trip in a long time, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> if I did go on a camping trip and I was left with extra equipment and that was just lying around and then somebody like borrowed it, I don't know. And then I'm going to spend the time. Doesn't this also apply for everything that you lend out? Why just camping equipment? I don't know. That's why I thought it was so hilarious. But then we're just supposed to picture this woman having so many fucking tents and camping stoves that her friends are like, <laughs> we don't need to buy our own. We're just going to put our names in this Google spreadsheet sneak it in the garage and let you know what we took. Lizzie, <coughs> may I? I'm going to need your solo stove. Um, Weird. I know. I just thought, I was like, this, this is so good. I'm reading this article to everyone because you can't make this shit up. Um, they then go on to talk more about Google. They talk about the Google Trends Graph. So I think we're all familiar with that because we're all millennials. Just kidding. I'm Generation X. Um, but so... According to the Google Trends Graph, which basically is a graph that tracks what has been Googled famously. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, from 2004 to 2012, literally no one on the earth Googled Friendsgiving. Really? Yeah. Literally no people. <clears throat> Nobody did it. You can't argue with the graph, Zara. That The truth is out there. Please reference the graph. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. Then... There was, I'm quoting from the article here, a tiny nub of interest in the year 2013. This leads to a small spike in 2014 and then an exponentially intensifying spikes every year after that. Oh my God. Um, both Chowhound and Taste of Home, which are apparently publications, have released Friendsgiving host guides. So now we know it's real. It's really happening. This is wild. I I mean, I didn't even know it was like, I guess, like, I didn't know it was such a big problem. <laughs> yeah, it's I didn't realize it was issue. such an epidemic. It's a huge problem. Um, like my allergies. Um, sorry for all my coughing and hacking, everyone. Um, they then go on to tell us that, I mean, this is the year 2018, so this number is obviously no longer accurate, but there are 960,000 posts under the hashtag Friendsgiving on Instagram. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, everybody. 
Um, they also say that initially it probably was more of like a, a Thanksgiving replacement. So it would actually be like people who couldn't go to hang out with their families would just hang out with their friends. But now it seems to have evolved into like a whole other addition, which I actually, I have anecdotal evidence that this is true because my sister and all of her little friends, well, they're regular size. Um, they, <laughs> they Are they just have, very young, like babies? All of her newborn baby friends, um, <laughs> they had a Thanksgiving, a potluck, the, the weekend, like the, so third Thanksgiving. So it was on like the Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, but that seems insane to me because you have Thanksgiving, you have all the leftovers and then you have to make a dish and bring it and then eat a whole other Thanksgiving meal. That seems, I don't know. That seems weird to me. It seems to me like Friendsgiving should be the day after Thanksgiving or like two days after or something. You bring all your leftovers from Thanksgiving. You all like Yeah, but my sister didn't even bring leftovers. She made like a whole new dish. I know what I'm saying. I think that we should change the rules around Friendsgiving to be the day after instead of the weekend before. So you can just use your leftovers. And you should that bring is- your worst leftover. You should bring the, the dish that really didn't work out. Your that charcoal means that burnt turkey. The turkey. Well, people is- are going to bring cranberry relish. Exactly. Lots of relish. Um, the turkey that like uh, puffed open like in Christmas vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of another Christmas vacation dish. The jello mold with cat food in it. Yes. You know, things like that. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a good idea. Maybe we should uh, petition Joe Biden to see if we can change this up. Please. Uh, Joe Biden, dead and loving it. Let's do this. So this journalist goes on to say, even though the title of the article was, what is Thanksgiving and why does it exist? They say, it's actually hard to know in real time what cultural shifts or forces led to the rise of Friendsgiving. But they have some theories. Okay. Um, so they talk about how Thanksgiving is now more of a season than a day. So like it's, you know, people are talking about it more. They're celebrating it longer. They're doing it at work sometimes. Um, so instead of just one day, they're it's more doing of doing it at work. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, you have like potlucks at work. For Thanksgiving. I know it just sounds funny. Um, and that's true. So I, they're, so basically they're like Friendsgiving is possibly the result of capitalism um, just trying to force us to consume more. Um, I mean, I, I sort of pulled that out of the article. They didn't, would never say that. The of Atlantic. course. Um, they go on to interview a woman who's 24. Um, in 2018, she's much, much older now. Uh, she's a content and brand manager, which I don't know what that is. That's one of those fake jobs. Nobody knows what it is. You don't. It's a millennial job. Um, she's talking about how they have a work potluck and it's called a friendsgiving, and it's because Q four is so stressful that this potluck relieves stress. So she finds it very stress relieving to eat large quantities of food with her coworkers. (laughs) Maybe there's pot in the food at this friends friendsgiving. That's why. Sure. Um. And then they go on to let us know that uh, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving as a national holiday. So before that, it wasn't a national holiday. You can not get off work for it. The bank would still be open. Um, And then they they start to go into like the millennial 
whatever the obsession of what their deal is. Um, so they're like, well, millennials don't have families because none of them are getting married because they're too poor. Yeah. So the true important people in their lives must be friends. And that's why they have, that's why Friendsgiving became so popular because these poor bastards can't afford to have real blood family members. <laughs> um, that's true for me. Although Another, I uh, still haven't been invited to a Thanksgiving, a Friendsgiving, regardless of this fact. Um, well, it's hard to invite you when you're in balmy Long Island. <laughs> um, there's another theory that um, young people have the means to host such an event, and so they want that, you know, responsibility. But their family members won't let them host it at their house, so they have to have a Friendsgiving instead. That's like a contrasting opinion of the last opinion, which is that they don't have enough means to have family. Also, I just love that their parents are like, no, dude, you suck at cooking. You will not host Thanksgiving at your home ever until I'm dead. You're not going to fry a turkey and burn the house down over here. Um, A man wrote a book called Kids These Days, Human Uh Capital and the Making of Millennials. And he sees a more sinister side to Friendsgiving, which I kind of maybe agree with, but it's also kind of hilarious. Um, He says that putting a cutesy name to a potluck dinner that will never rival the lavish spread of a real Thanksgiving implies the approval of the powers that be that millennials will just always have lower income and lower living standards. So essentially, Friendsgiving is a propaganda weapon used by the ruling class to further plans for wage stagnation. Yeah, that kind of makes sense too. And it's yeah. another day that we can just celebrate living on stolen land with, you know, a sweet potato casserole. Yes. Also, that reminds me of, I want to actually do really read from the final part of this article because it is shocking. Um, because I just have, to, so this guy's like, okay, um, Then this other guy was like, well, they're not married, so they just want to hang out with their friends. This is the other guy that said that. Okay. Um, And this guy also goes on to say, perhaps if you really think about it, you could conceive of Friendsgiving as a way of bringing Thanksgiving back to its roots. The first Thanksgiving in the fall of 1621 was made up of the white English settlers of Plymouth Colony and their native neighbors, who outnumbered them by a lot. The idea to have Thanksgiving was to create friends, he says. It was aspirationally Friendsgiving in a way. Sure. He said that the first Thanksgiving was a Friendsgiving in the year 2018. Yeah, no, he's totally (laughs) right. Everything was friendly. We know how nicely the colonizers treated the Native American people. They were very friendly. Here, please come share my pheasant meat. I was shocked. I was like, Dennis, what are you fucking talking about, dude? Yeah, what? Dennis messed up. He was making some sense, and then all of a sudden, he just the first. Went to- he's not the guy who said it was the propaganda. This oh, is of course not. Who this is, is who was like the guy who's like, well, these people aren't married. They right, have right, empty right, right, lives. Right. This is Dennis. So they Wilson all have to hang out boys. with their friends. Got it. Wow, Dennis, chill, bro. You're not right about that. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I don't think he was right. Wrong but there's again, no way to Dennis. find out for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We don't have any really hard uh, There are no photos, unfortunately. So, like, much like today, uh, if you didn't Instagram and it didn't happen. <laughs> if there's no hashtag, it didn't happen. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, that's an interesting story. And uh, when you said you were going to do this, I was wondering if you were going to do a history of the TV show Friends and all the Thanksgiving episodes. And you reminded me that Brad Pitt was on a Thanksgiving episode of Friends, which I never saw. I wasn't really a Friends guy. I was a Seinfeld guy mostly. So can you just tell us about what this episode was like? Yeah, so basically um, Jennifer Aniston had just gotten married to Brad Pitt. Or maybe they, I think they were already married. Maybe they were dating. I don't know. Whatever. Everyone maybe it was they when they were getting divorced. <laughs> that no. would have been more awkward. <clears throat> that would have been more awkward, yes. Um, but so basically he comes on as a friend, a high school friend of them um, who apparently was really fat in high school. And so she doesn't recognize, Rachel doesn't recognize him when she sees him um, because he lost weight and then started looking like Brad Pitt. But even a fat Brad Pitt would still be hot, I think. Hell mm-hmm. yeah, of course, even without those washboard abs. And do you, I mean, obviously you remember this, but I just rethought of it, how fucking like wacky it is by today's standards that Courtney Cox used to wear that fat suit on yes. Friends. Oh, yeah, God. it's really fucked up. It's so bad. Um, and whatever. So he comes over to Thanksgiving and you find out that he was in an I Hate Rachel Green Club with Ross, who <gasps> Rachel is dating on the show at the time. Unbelievable. <clears throat> And so he, the whole joke is like, he hates Rachel and he'll never forgive her for tormenting him in high school, even though they're obviously married in real life. But also Brad Pitt, as we discussed potentially on this podcast before, is not a very good actor. And he did not obviously didn't have a lot of that kind of acting experience. So he's like kind of bad in it. And it's pretty funny to watch. Unfortunately, Brad Pitt, and I say this lovingly, Brad, because obviously you're listening, is not a very good actor at all. He's, om- I feel like he's bad in almost every movie except for um, True Romance, in which he has a very small part, and of very course, small. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And other he's than pretty, that, he's fine in Thelma Louise. I think also kind of a small part. Right. I think it's because these are roles that are very similar to what his normal personality, personality is. Like, yeah. You know? But like, yes. meet Joe Black. Uh, I mean, interview with the vampire. There are no words, really. <laughs> I, haven't even, I have not rewatched that. Beach of Black is one of my favorite movies. It's a horrible, horrible film. Um, it's terrible. And Brad Pitt is so comically bad at it. And he speaks Patois in it, which is... Oh, my <laughs> God. Not- yes, he does. He pulls a Chet Hanks. <laughs> oh, he's a mod- regular old modest Yahoo. He's modest Yahooing his way through fucking Meet Joe Black. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah we had a I think I told you this that Ryan and I also had a skit that we thought like you know how Chet Hanks does that unforgivable Jamaican patois yes he does um that really all of the Hanks family does that at home and they all just like sit around the table (laughs) speaking Jamaican patois and like Tom Hanks is wearing like one of those hats with the fake dreadlocks on it (laughs) (laughs) and they're just like (laughs) <laughs> reminiscing uh, about the one time they went to Montego Bay and it was so Oh fun. my God. They never, no one ever got over it. And Rita's got like those beads and braids in her hair. Exactly. And they're like, Chet, you know, you're not supposed to do this outside of the home. You're going to ruin this for all of us. Did we talk about, so uh, soon after that Chet Hankson kind of resurfaced, there is a video of Rita rapping at some sort of awards show. No! I did not see that. But this is what I'm saying. I knew it. They're all fucking doing it. They're all all problematic. We know Tom Hanks is a complete monster. Yes, he is thoroughly evil. America's nemesis. Tom Hanks. Caviar pig. (laughs) (laughs) Caviar pig. (laughs) Caviar pig. 
and cultural appropriator, the Hankses. Yeah, they must be stopped. Yeah, let's make this our first order of business when we're elected to presidency. Um, right. as co-presidents. Take, as co-presidents, we're taking over for the currently uh, dead president. Um, okay, should we go ahead and take a little break and we'll come back with another uh, riveting Thanksgiving tale? Yes. Okay, bye. Wait, come back, come back. We'll be back. No flipping. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Okay. We're back now. Are we? I promised you guys we would come back, and we are back. And indeed. Thanks for sticking with us, guys, and not just change into a different radio station because the commercial was on. Mike Sala, my guess is that you paused, made some onion dip, <laughs> and came back with a little <laughs> bowl of chips and a tiny little bit of dip, and you're munch, munch, munching away, aren't you? Okay. I'm going to tell you a story today, Nicole, about something that I hadn't known was uh, such a threat. It's maybe even a bigger threat than Friendsgiving. Um, And I am not kidding when I say that. I'm going (laughs) to tell you about vicious attacking wild turkeys that have been sadly, in my opinion, brought back from the brink of extinction. They're like the most successfully like re- animated introduced rehabilitated i don't know they're here they're out of rehab they're They're queer we're used to them uh they're dead and loving they're undead and loving it (laughs) so anyway i'm going to talk to you about wild turkeys and uh, they're evil so i'm going to begin i'm going to read also from several articles that i found addressing the subject of these killer turkeys um And I'm going to begin with an article from Wired Magazine by John Moldeum. Now, these are all recent articles. Most of them are from like 2015 through today, the hits of 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and today. Um, (laughs) So here we go. We're in Maryland. In Maryland, a group of people outside the Faith United Church of Christ were charged by a mob of wild turkeys. The congregants had just stepped outside to take a break while cooking a large turkey dinner. Folks, I feel like you might have just brought this on yourselves. I hate to say it, but obviously they were seeking retribution. Um, In the Boston (laughs) suburb of Brookline, coordinated gangs of turkeys were attacking children, homeowners, and crossing guards. Crossing guards? Crossing guards are getting the brunt of this. And as I found out, this is not the only 
this is not the only article that mentions Turkey's direct th- threats to our nation's heroes, the crossing guards. And I'm being honest, I love a crossing guard. They're so yeah. friendly. They're totally. doing the Lord's work. Quote, as I went around the mailbox, the turkeys went around and started chasing me into the street and I screamed for help, one woman said. Uh, in parentheses, the area's turkeys are known to claw at people's faces. How would anyone even help her? How could they face down a horde of turkeys? I'm not sure. I told I mentioned this also to Ryan, my literal only friend, at work <laughs> yesterday. And he was like, a tur- wild turkey wouldn't attack me, of course. Like, fucking toxic masculinity. He's like, I would he just grab its wild- neck. I would grab its neck uh, okay. and, like, break its neck. And I'm like... Okay, what if there were 30 of them, Ryan? Exactly. I was like, you know what? I hope that, in a small way, I hope you do get attacked by turkeys and that yeah, you Yeah, you should encourage him to become a crossing guard in part-time. Because yeah, I was like, you know what? That's the best way for him to get Crossing guard pays really well. Why don't you try that, buddy? And um, there's lots of wild turkeys in New York, so it's the best well, thing. Well, he's from New Hampshire, so what I could do is pick a fight with us within our business, Zaza Lasagna, um, oust him, force him to move back to New Hampshire, then encourage him to become a crossing guard, and then he could be attacked by wild turkeys. This is a good plan. Folks, we got a plan in place. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with this plan. Nothing at all. Okay. Uh, From the same article, wild turkeys were everywhere on Cape Cod, despite having once been extinct in Massachusetts. The birds were also blooming again in Ohio, Florida, Texas, Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, and New Jersey, where turkey numbers had increased a thousandfold since 1977, when 22 wild turkeys were brought in from New York and Vermont to restock what was then a virtually, virtually turkeyless state. So were they extinct because people were eating them for Thanksgiving once a year? Or what was I'm the not, deal? I'm not really sure what the problem was. I mean, because these are wild turkeys and turkey hunting is a thing, but I'm not really sure, like, are, are people hunting that many turkeys? Like, that they're just, we're eating them all up? I, I don't really know. I never really investigated. What do turkeys even eat besides human flesh? <laughs> <laughs> brains they eat um like sticks smaller bugs. animals and big cats and dogs i think <laughs> <laughs> they eat coyotes yeah they eat like i don't know lions and tigers <laughs> bears um i think that they are here to stay a local op-ed writer attributed to the turkey's success in part uh, uh in part to polygamy this is exactly why i didn't even bother reading this article before i copied and pasted it this is why they're they're back because they're non-monogamous okay well that's interesting yes one turkey has many different lovers which i respect for turkeys good for you guys what are you you <laughs> yolo what's surprising um, that they can have that many lovers because they're so ugly well Unfortunately, as with many birds, the male turkey is much more glamorous than the female turkey, which is rude oh, for birds. They got like a glam look. Exactly. They have like, like colors and exactly like and ducks also. I mean, nature, please call into the show and explain why you are so <laughs> rude to female ducks. <laughs> um, okay. According to the Democrat and Chronicle article by Len Lesbonet, Leb Lebonze. We need uh-huh. to call out the militia folks. This is the most, I'm not sure if this person is, I think they're like a, being a little bit facetious, but they're also kind of serious. This article is riveting. We need to call out the militia folks. It's now semi-official. Wild turkeys all over America are, this is obviously written from a, a Fox News conglomerate affiliate. Uh, wild turkeys all over America are rioting, rising up in rebellion against the influx of people into their habitat. This could be the greatest threat against humans and their civilization since the Karakatu erupted. I don't know what that is. 
Well, it's probably a volcano. Um, so, okay. A couple of questions with this whole area that we just sure. read. Mm-hmm. He said he's going to call up the militia, but it's also only semi-official that these turkeys are rioting. So this guy wants to call it a militia for something that's semi-official. Seems kind of nutty. This is someone who's in a militia. And essentially, he's probably just talking about like BLM protesters and under some kind of guys that, you know, yeah. they're turkey, so, wild turkeys. I mean, of course, I believe that these turkeys are rioting and rising up, forming gangs because we're encroaching on their living space. We're like, we're going to encroach on your living space, but we're also going to like rehabilitate you at the same time. What could go wrong? Exactly. Um, no, it's, it's just as good of a plan as me sending Ryan back to New Hampshire. But I have a great idea because we also have a serious problem with feral hogs um, in this country to the point where there's so right. many of them now. They reproduce really fast. There's so many of them now that they, it's not possible that we could ever eradicate them completely. Well, that so is very interesting, huh? I didn't know that. We need to get them together with the turkeys and one can eat the other, whichever one does whatever they want to do. You know, like either sure. the turkeys will eat the feral hogs, they'll become you know, they'll mate and become like a turkey hog combo, Mm. you know? Yeah, like in Godzilla versus Rodan kind of situation. Just let them like destruct each other. So, yeah, we just got to get those, herd those feral hogs on over to like New Jersey or whatever and just let nature take its course. Great. And while they're at it, they could, you know, see what's up with the uh, people of New Jersey. Chris Christie, I'm looking at you, you feral (laughs) hog. (laughs) In Dorrington, Connecticut, some members of the Warner Theater Board of Directors were holding an innocent business meeting when the first, first of all, there's no such thing as an innocent business meeting, let's just be honest. When the first attack occurred, a wild turkey apparently on a kamikaze mission crashed through a plate glass window, completely disrupting the meeting. They disrupt, okay. (laughs) Um, This turkey, the writing is very anti-turkey in this, and I don't think they interviewed a single turkey. I know. <laughs> that's definitely true there was no turkey talking here a kamikaze mission a kamikaze mission the bird was later identified as jake a year <laughs> a year old male turkey and every turkey hunter knows how dumb they can be this one couldn't even figure out how to get it out of the building after it had crashed its way in probably because it was dying sir <laughs> also who named it jake <laughs> i mean it would have like and they went into its wallet like Ugh, jake <laughs> Typical Jake. Jake, this Jake, dumbass. Jake, you're drunk again. Somebody call Jake's wife. <laughs> Pick him up. <laughs> um, it took an animal control officer more than half an hour to capture the 18-pound bird and send it packing back to the woodland from which it launched its attack. Wow, this is very beautiful writing. I know. Do you want more proof? This is the same article. Do you want more proof of this insidious rebellion by wild turkeys? <laughs> well, yes. A 62-year-old motorcyclist. This sounds very fucked up. I hope this person lived. Uh, A (laughs) 62-year-old motorcyclist from Keene was peacefully riding his Harley on a New Hampshire road. Ryan, here's looking at you. Peacefully riding his Harley. Exactly. Quietly. uh, In Westmoreland, when he was suddenly and viciously attacked by a wild turkey that flew out of a nearby woodland (laughs) without any warning and struck him and caused him to crash his motorcycle. Didn't warn him first? (laughs) I'm coming. I'm coming. Here I am. This poor victim survived, thank the Lord. But he suffered six broken ribs and a cracked shoulder blade due to this viciously and completely unwarranted assault. What happened to the turkey? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The turkey and like, who knows, maybe this fucking biker flipped the turkey off while he was quietly exactly. riding by. 
And he's also noise polluting that turkey's home. That's what I'm saying. Fortunately, this particular turkey did not... Oh, you know what? We have all the answers here. Fortunately, <laughs> this particular turkey did not survive its own suicide mission. So it says, is, fortunately? Yes. Fortunately, it did not yeah. survive? So that is one less threat to the survival of humanity. Experts okay. estimate that the, he weighed 30 pounds, which is a lot. If a 30-pound turkey like came flying <laughs> on a motorcycle, that is... I have to be honest. I'm sorry. I am, I am like on the turkey side here, but like that is... <laughs> That is very scary also, and okay. very dangerous. Here's another issue that I have. Turkeys don't fly, do they? Yes, they do. They fly. They can fly? They can, yes. They believe no. they can fly, and they also <laughs> believe they can touch the sky, and they also believe they can push people off their motorcycles <laughs> on their way to a Trump rally. And state residents are out showing more concern because the state has an estimate of 36,000 wild turkeys. Ryan? <laughs> If you're listening, do you think you could fight off 36,000 wild turkeys? <laughs> they weigh 30 pounds each. <laughs> You'd be killed, friend. Uh, I think you need to get a new strategy. What if they all joined the rebellion? Uh, one concerned citizen was overheard to mutter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and these are the... Okay. Uh, there is a turkey rebellion in Michigan, too. A Hudsonville woman was awakened by the sound of her front window being shattered. She quickly gathered her three children, called the police, a cab, and then fled her home with the intruder still inside. Fortunately, an Ottawa County deputy sheriff and canine officer were nearby and responded in mere moments to the scene of the crime. With her gun drawn, the deputy in the, uh, kicked in the door and entered the room where the ruckus was coming from. There, she saw the mortally wounded home invader. And if you guessed, that criminal was yet another turkey. A mature Tom Turkey with an eight-inch beard. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Santa Claus then. Exactly. There were, this turkey was coming to bring gifts, and I, I'm assuming it got shot uh, or yes, I... by the dog officer. Or does ACAB also extend to dog officers? Um, it's, it's a tricky gray area. <laughs> I mean, I want to say yes, because they're basically trained to attack people of color. Right, because they're trained, but it's not their fault. You it's know? not they're, their fault because they're just doggies. And the same thing goes for the horse officers, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh horse <laughs> officer. <laughs> so ridiculous. Police, you're so fucking stupid. You call your horses officers. Give me a break. I don't think they do. I think I made that up. Here's the I'm thing. Like, if the only time it's okay to call the police is if you're calling a horse only. <laughs> Just like, please. A horse with no rider. Send a horse. <laughs> I would only like one horse, please. No human. Thank you. Farewell. A horse shows up at your house. <laughs> please send a horse. Excuse me. That's right. No human beings. Um, wow, that's so funny. Uh, okay. So... In Wisconsin, according to the postmistress, wild turkeys have been, quote, pestering and even attacking the mail carriers. A flock of possibly 10 adult, adult tom turkeys have been pecking and even attempting to fight with them. <laughs> How do you like that, all those people who for five days were so obsessed with the USPS? Let's get let's see what you have to put on Instagram about this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Save I, you the, don't care, do you? Save the mailman from Tom Turkey. 
They're being pestered. They're being pestered. That one week when everybody loved the mail, they're like, I love the USPS. I love it. Do you really? How do you feel about it now? That is that no one else is posting that on Instagram. Do you still love it? Or are you annoyed that your package is taking so fucking long? Are you obsessed with the United States Postal Service? (laughs) 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 So funny. Okay. One of these evil birds even launched itself through the open door of a mail truck and attacked the driver with wings wildly flapping. (laughs) (laughs) He probably was like, dude, what's my package taking so long? Exactly. (laughs) He's like, I am fucking sick of waiting. Every time I get something, it's all jumbled up and broken. (laughs) Somebody has to take a stand. It says fragile on it. Jesus Christ. An investigation revealed that this particular group of Toms had a bad reputation, of course, and actually seen uh, been a problem in the recent past at the nearby John Muir Elementary School chasing the screaming school children around the playground <laughs> and even pecking at the doors after the students were rushed to safety inside the school building. Okay, I love that there was a proper official investigation into this turkey attack and that they learned in this investigation that they had a bad reputation. Yeah, it was like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, An aggressive turkey was even arrested after terrorizing the residents. Oh, good. They arrested it. That's a lot of sense. <laughs> There's like one turkey in prison with a bunch of other humans. What are you in for? It just like doesn't say anything because it's a turkey. Yeah. Um, a particularly aggressive turkey. Ha- oh, this is according to an article by CNN from 2020. Uh, a particularly aggressive turkey had to be re- relocated by officers in California. Police in the city of Roseville say the turkey was reportedly disturbing residents who were leaving and coming home in the neighbor in their neighborhood Tuesday morning. One person even reported that they couldn't leave for work because the turkey was being so aggressive. (laughs) They just wanted to not work that day. I know. They're like, I hate my job. Um, Excuse me, boss. Yes, I'm sick of making uh, $10 an hour. So there's a turkey um, in front of my house. I'm sorry, I can't make it into work. A turkey is trying (laughs) to kill me. (laughs) It's like that movie that you talked about in the horror episode. Thanks Killing. Yeah, Thanks Killing. It was based on this article, I think. I mean, it's a true it's a documentary. Um, yeah. A neighborhood in Oakland, California uh, can now rest easy. This is also from CNN. Now that a turkey nicknamed Gerald was safely relocated to the nearby hills. Estimated to be around 20 pounds, Gerald had been causing problems in the Grand Lake neighborhood for months, attacking dozens of people and ultimately leading the closure of Neil, nearby Mockram Rose Garden, an eight-acre municipal garden, uh, that was his favorite stomping ground. So he took, like, he terrorized eight acres. So his nickname is Gerald. So what's Gerald short for? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Geraldine Ferrara. Ferrara. Oh, Geraldine. Geraldine, of course. <laughs> yeah, the former attorney general. Um, <laughs> Rebecca Dimitrik, a wildlife expert. This is like, this whole thing is a little bit long, but really funny. Uh, Rebecca Dimitrik, a wildlife expert and founder and director of Wildlife Emergency Services based in the Monterey Bay area, was hired to humanely capture Gerald in the park after attempts by the city were unsuccessful, which is also just like funny to me to think of like what were the attempts by the city like and how many could have they made, you know? (laughs) They just probably set up a trap and left it alone. And why wouldn't Jerry be his nickname? Exactly. That's a great point. Um, Dimitrik and her boyfriend spotted Gerald along with some other turkeys in a redwood grove near the overlook in the park. 
According to Dimitrik, Gerald was eyeing a family with children <laughs> and possibly in attack mode. The family wasn't <sighs> supposed to be in the park and the park had been closed since May 23rd due to the rampaging turkey. So it's their fault they're being there. Exactly. Stocked with berries and carrying an air-powered net gun, <laughs> Dimitrik moved to disrupt the turkey's advance. <laughs> Quote, I quickly threw the blueberries and got Gerald's attention. I got the attention of another turkey with babies at her side, and they all started coming in very excitedly, eating the berries, which was great. But then the net gun wasn't working properly. Oh, no, this is so stressful. (laughs) Just to see if there would be a change in the bird's behavior, Demetrix switched up her movements, and it worked. The bird became seemingly more aggressive. Thinking on her feet, she went into victim mode (laughs) to lure Gerald even closer. What's victim mode? I guess, like... I I don't know, according to this fucking, like, you know, neoliberal article, probably just, like, being a woman in general. (laughs) She's just always in victim mode because she's a woman. Yeah, she's just wearing, like, a revealing outfit or something. Yeah. Um, The bird kids, it's, like, her fault now. She's like, it's my fault that I'm being attacked. I'm wearing fishnet stockings. Uh, The the bird came closer, and Dimitri waited for her moment to make a move. In an instant, she went to grab Gerald in the featherless area of his neck and shoulders and wrestled him to the ground. What was her boyfriend doing this whole time? I know, that's what I'd like to know. Just watching her almost get fucking killed by a turkey. <laughs> um, okay, and this is the last thing. This is not about turkeys attacking. This is about people attacking turkeys, which I think can shed some light onto why the turkeys are, you know, so pissed. Time Magazine. <laughs> Year is 2020. Two men were arrested, accused of stealing a neighbor's turkey a week before Thanksgiving. I'm not going to give their full names. Oh, <laughs> because it's like, what's the point? But the owner's name is Brian Capioni, the owner of a 30-pound bird named Tom, noticed the family pet was missing when he found a, quote, trail of feathers and blood on his Gulf Breeze property. The Pensacola oh, no. News Journal reported. Police arrested a man named Joshua and a man named Jacob after finding the bird's body in the back of one of their pickups. They They killed it? Yes, they were en route to allegedly butcher Tom and eat him for Thanksgiving. One of them reportedly admitting the killing to authorities. Um, Both men were charged with armed burglary and trespassing, theft of livestock, and cruelty to animals. A trial has not yet taken place. Bummer. So that's my story about evil turkeys and the women who love them (laughs) so it's funny because i was talking to on the day after thanksgiving i went to a party and i'm talking to this dude who is like a some sort of tree worker person in california and he was talking about how the wild turkeys are actually like a menace out there and Mm -hmm. that he's like he's like i hate wild turkeys um and i was like that sounds because they are really big. So like when they're out there in the forest doing their forestry work or whatever, they have to like be really careful because the turkeys will just come attack them. Exactly. (laughs) They sound awful. I mean, they sound awful, but also I sympathize with them because they're just trying to protect their land and their families. We can't lay blame on them. Um, Also, in case anyone was not listening to the show, whenever I did Thanksgiving, this the premise of this horror movie is like a wisecracking, foul-mouthed turkey <laughs> murders people violently. And that is the premise of Thanksgiving, which I think there's also a sequel to. So please go check that movie out. Yes, please. It's it was written very, by a very good. 
<laughs> it's very, very, very good. Um, amazing. Should we, what should we talk about for our top three? Like our top three. I mean, we've definitely already talked about our favorite Thanksgiving dishes. Yeah. <clears throat> we can talk about our top three favorite Thanksgiving movies since there are only three. <laughs> okay. Well, I like kind of like that movie Pieces of April starring Katie Holmes, sort of a deep cut. Um, and Home for the Holidays, is that a Thanksgiving movie? Or yes, it-, it is. Yes, with Holly Hunter, RDJ, Claire Danes, and all-star cast. Yeah, that's a good one too, although she is wearing like a kente cloth like hat in the beginning of it. but Oh, that's fine. right, she is. <laughs> well, it was the 90s. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I don't know. I can't think. Well, there. I, well, I was looking up Friendsgiving. And there actually is a movie that came out like last year called Friendsgiving, which I have not seen. I didn't do my thorough research. Interesting. Um, but I bet it's really good. <laughs> I'm sure it's amazing. Um. Okay. I. This is like not quite fair because this is actually a Christmas movie. But in my mind, I always thought it was a Thanksgiving movie because I believe they make a turkey, which I always think is strange that people do that for Christmas, but that's fine. Um, So I like the movie The Family Stone. Again, I know it's a Christmas movie. I had thought it was a Thanksgiving movie, so I'm going to put it on my list. Um, I also like the movie Home for the Holidays and my number one, without a doubt, Always and Forever. Starring one Mr. John Sweet Candy and Steve Martin, Trains, Planes, oh, yeah. and Automobiles. Truly, in my one. opinion, the only Thanksgiving movie. <clears throat> Am I right? Um, I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of ours got in a major argument with her partner because she said that John Candy is homeless at the end of that movie. And her partner was like, no, he's fucking not. And she was like, yes, he is. And it was like a huge blow up really fight. and then so then she told everyone about it and then everyone was like polarized by it people were like he he's is. absolutely not he is homeless i know yes he has no house that's like the whole thing he's been on the road his wife died eight years ago and he has no house so yeah and that's it but so people were like vehemently like no he is not homeless and well, i'm like watch the fucking movie again then i guess say, I know, my mean, answer. So, so it was a, it was that's a hilarious the whole point of the whole movie <laughs> A hilarious moment in time when people were like bitterly divided about whether or not John Candy is homeless in Planes, Trains, and Autos. Well, that's ridiculous because there's like a very obvious answer for that. It's like when people say like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I guess like that's a little bit more open to opinion, although obviously it is a Christmas movie. Um, But like saying that like John Candy is not houseless at the end of Trains, Planes, and Automobiles is not, that's not even really up for debate. It's actually just a fact. He says it. He says that he is. Yes, he says it, and it's, like, the whole point of the movie. <laughs> At, like, when once you've seen it, you're like, oh, this is actually quite sweet and more deep than I thought, even though John Hughes is, I think, not a great guy. I actually don't... <clears throat> I don't really like that movie that much because Steve Martin is so mean to him that it, like, it hurt my feelings when I was I know. a know. He's It's so. true. He's so mean to him, and John Candy is so sweet. John Candy reminds me a lot of myself, physically. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, but he reminds me a lot of my dad. Yeah, I mean, I love him, obviously. He's the star of Home Alone. He's uh, so sweet. And, of course, the, <laughs> Becky and I were talking the other day. I was like, we're talking about movies we want to see. I was like, I kind of want to see this new um, Joaquin 
Phoenix movie. Come on, come on. It's like a Mike no, Mills movie. Are you fucking yeah, giving me that? I it's like, like Mike bullshit it does but i really like mike mills and i sometimes i just need to feel good about something she's like what is that what is he what does he do i was like well he plays an uncle <laughs> and then she's like an uncle i was like yeah like it's my it looks like a great uncle film not to be like ever undone by the greatest uncle film of all time uncle buck yes <laughs> the most famous the movie greatest. about an uncle ever <laughs> <laughs> yes the most that is correct famous uncle movie of all time Uncle Buck. Um, okay, well, uh, I wish John Candy was still with us. Sadly, he's not. And on that sure note, isn't. I think we should uh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everyone. It was great talking to you. Guys, have a happy Thanksgiving, please, next year. <laughs> 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 Wishing you all a happy, happy Thanksgiving, uh, 12 full months in advance. And to all a good night. Okay, bye. I'll still a pasta with rich turkey gravy. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>